Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Portland Trailblazers and some important news involving the firing of Neil Oshie and who could take over for Oshie in the future. And kind of where this leaves Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and the rest of their team. So Neil Oshie was fired after a decision to change, fired for violations of the Trailblazers' code of conduct for creating a toxic work environment, uh, and the team isn't doing as good. This is uh, NBCSports.com. Uh, this is an article talking about it. And so what we have here is somebody in Portland who was a big part of their team and throughout everything going on, with the potential Damian Lillard situation and the rest of their team with C.J. McCollum and whatnot, he's basically stayed loyal to the fact and stayed true to the fact that Dame and C.J. are staying at this point and they're not getting traded for anything. And now he's gone. He was a toxic work environment guy. He's out. And they are now having to look for a new GM, which means the new GM has to make sure that he is keeping Damian Lillard happy in Portland because who knows what's going to happen with him. At the moment, they have a lot of stuff to do with their roster, and Joe Cronin has been promoted to interim general manager. So there is a chance that Joe Cronin does good, and he gets this team back in order and maybe ends up actually taking over for Oshie as the number one and the only one. And maybe the owners in Portland decide, hey, we're going to keep him on. He's going to be someone who takes over and does well. Then he sticks around. But assuming he is not the guy, where can we look from here at the potential options? So I'm looking at a few names here, and we'll kind of throw them out there as potential options. First is Scott Perry. Now, Scott Perry is the general manager of the New York Knicks, but... Team president Leon Rose was uh, recently hired within the last few years and has kind of taken on all of those decisions, the big decisions, the guy in charge. And so if, for one reason or another, Scott Perry is not happy or Portland comes knocking, he could take a position in Portland which gives him the ability to kind of make his own decisions and be the number one option on a team that could really use somebody in there who can make the right decisions. Now, I don't know if he has a track record of being successful, but what I will say is that he is somebody who might be a good choice if that's the direction they want to go in. Now, obviously, as uh, we will talk about with other candidates, because of the connection with the New York Knicks going from New York to Portland, maybe he wants to help out the New York Knicks potentially get Damian Lillard to the Big Apple, which means if Damian Lillard potentially gets traded, and if that's Scott Perry's goal, then New York would be a, an obvious destination and he could go out there and potentially make a trade to benefit both teams. This does not help out the Philadelphia 76ers who are interested in Damian Lillard and it doesn't help out a few other teams in the Eastern Conference that might be interested as well. But if Portland feels like he is the guy, they go with Scott Perry. Number two on the list is Mark Eversley, who I know nothing about except he is with Chicago, he's the general manager, and he is the number two in the front office behind Arturis Karnisovis. He is very 
well-respected around the league. And according to this Yahoo, this NBC Sports article, um, he has worked in Toronto, Washington, and Philadelphia. Um, so potentially he could be an option. I don't know if he is the right guy, but there is a chance that he takes over. And so he is somebody who has a history of being uh, on well-successful su- well, teams. And obviously Chicago's doing great this year, so that's something. So he could come in here and kind of rectify some of their um, mistakes and potentially move on from there. That's an option. Then we have number three on our list, which is Brent Berry. And there's no order to this. I'm just These are some of the names being thrown out there. So Brent Barry was a 14-year NBA player turned television analyst turned front office person. He is currently the VP of basketball operations for the San Antonio Spurs. And he doesn't have as much uh, experience in the front office, uh, but has uh, a lot of connections throughout the NBA and is somebody who I think is well-respected as a former NBA player. And a lot of times in positions of power, you like having someone with NBA experience because they know exactly what you're going through. And so Brent Barry could be somebody who gets this job because they're looking for someone with that experience, right? Some uh, situations have, uh, you know, guys with experience coming in and they work out great. Some don't. And some situations involve players getting the job, former players, and it works. Some don't. So he could come in. He worked in San Antonio with R.C. Buford, who's been great. And so if this is where they go, this is where they go. And he is someone who I think would fill the role nicely, even though he doesn't have as much experience. And then the the next name on our list is somebody who has a lot of connections to Portland and the Trailblazers organization, Danny Ainge. So Danny Ainge probably has um, the most connections out of all of the guys on the list I've named, because not only is he from Oregon, he's from Eugene, Oregon. He's also uh, someone who played in Portland for a few years as a player. So he has the connections both being a native of this area while also being somebody who is a former player for the team. So obviously uh, he was with the Celtics for a very long time, stepped away. Uh, I don't know if he is retiring fully, if this is an offer that would bring him back on the table. Potentially he could come in, take over, and he's had a lot of success with Boston. Maybe they need someone who has that success as both a player and as a general manager, making those decisions, and this is maybe the choice they go with. Now, like with the New York Knicks' uh, Scott Perry, Danny Ainge has connections to the Celtics and has higher ties to Boston than Scott Perry does to New York Knicks because he actually played in Boston while also being the general manager in charge. So Danny, if he goes to Portland, could potentially bring uh, Damian Lillard uh, a trade offer to Boston and maybe Danny Ainge gets players back in return that he drafted in Boston, such as Marcus Smart or Romeo Langford or Peyton Pritchard. So that is an option down the road if Danny Ainge does go to Portland and takes over the job. There is a chance that he could take over, and uh, that is a name to, to watch out for. Uh, there is also uh, Tayshaun Prince. Uh, I guess he was a former teammate of Chauncey Billups. He works in the Grizzlies front office. And um, I guess uh, there is an option for him to potentially take over. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report threw that out there. But um, Jake Jason Quick, a longtime Trailblazers insider, 
Now with the Atlantic basically shot that down, um, basically saying that, yes, he's a popular name and a teammate of Chauncey Billups, but Prince is not a candidate at this time. So at the end of the day, maybe maybe he gets the job. Maybe he's out of the uh, out of the race. But I think when you think about it, there are a lot of good names out there. And maybe they'll go with someone internally that we just don't know at all who they are. Or at least I don't know who they are because I don't really um, follow the Trailblazers. But if they want to go with someone internally, they could always make that move. And that's kind of where they are right now. We don't know what the situation is. But if Damian Lillard is potentially on the market because a new guy comes in, I guess you got to find the right option and see who is the best of the best when it comes to making these decisions. I don't really know. So now, let's take that and let's move on. So we're going to be looking next at where things are going for the NBA and their teams, uh, what teams are doing good, what teams are not, and we'll discuss. So Eastern Conference, we have two teams at the top. We got Chicago and Brooklyn. Brooklyn number one, Chicago number two. They are separated by one and a half games. And Brooklyn looks as good as they can, and even without Kyrie this season, they've been as good as you can expect. Durant, James Harden, Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan's gone. They brought back the Marcus Aldridge and um, Paul Millsaps there. They're just a well-built team. They are just a well-built, well-oiled machine. Chicago is also doing great, and I think DeMar DeRozan helps, and so does uh, Alonzo Ball. They have as good of a team as you can get in the Eastern Conference, one of the best of the best. And they are looking very good. Can't complain with them. Then we have a few teams slated at 14-9, and nine, which is Miami, Washington, and Milwaukee. I don't know how the, um, the uh, order would go, but uh, yeah, Miami, Washington, Milwaukee. Uh, Miami is looking pretty good. Some of their guys, Jimmy Butler um, and uh, Kyle Lowry, have been out, uh, at least as of recently. Bam Adebayo, I think, as well. Um, but they're still doing good, and they're still going strong. They're a, all these teams are a game behind Chicago, uh, a game back uh, right there, two and a half of Brooklyn. Uh, Washington's been great with uh, Dinwiddle and you know a bunch of these other great role players. They brought in Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell, who are doing much better than Russell Westbrook would have. They figured it out a little bit. Washington has what they're looking for. They drafted two small forwards in a row. Pretty solid uh, choices, potentially, Avija and uh, Corey Kisbert, who could be, you know, future starter, star-type players for them. And then Milwaukee, you know, Giannis is there. Brooke Lopez has been out for a little while, but they still got, you know, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, some good role players. Bobby Portis has been great. You know, Grayson Allen's been good. So, pretty solid. Milwaukee's looking pretty good. Then we have Cleveland and Charlotte, who are both... Uh, 13 and 10 and 13 and 11 as their records and um, to say that um, it's close at this point is an understatement right now Cleveland is three and a half games back Charlotte is four games back and then Philadelphia Boston and Atlanta are four and a half games back and the New York Knicks are five games back so there is a game and a half difference between Cleveland and New York just for reference. Cleveland obviously has been successful with um, Evan Mobley. You have Charlotte who's been successful with uh, Ball and um, the pieces that they have. 
Philadelphia still has no Ben Simmons, but Joel Embiid is great, and Tobias Harris is good, and Seth Curry has been uh, very good for their team. I am very happy about that. The Celtics have been up and down, but right now they're above 500, and they're sitting in that sort of 8, 9, 10 range, which is not bad. And then you have Atlanta, who has John Collins, and Trey Young is obviously great, and they got a good team surrounding them, and they look pretty good. New York Knicks here uh, also um, are right there. They're the 11th seed. They're not out of it by any means. And it's been sort of a up and down. Cleveland, Charlotte, Philadelphia, Boston, Atlanta, New York have been up, down, left, right, and center. And right now New York is the 11th seed sitting on the outside looking in. Uh, half game back of you know Philly, Boston, Atlanta. We'll see what happens right there. And uh, they are um, a decent team with uh, a lot going on. Uh, and they have won games and lost games. And it's a dogfight for sure. So we'll see what happens with them. Then we have sort of the bottom of the barrel, which is Toronto, Indiana, Orlando, and Detroit. Toronto is keeping this core together, even though they got Scotty Barnes, who's kind of, you're hindering his development with Siakam uh, in the fold. So you might have to move on from Siakam because he's... Uh, hindering, in my opinion, Scotty Barnes' development. Indiana has this same core of players from last year, and it hasn't really panned out. Maybe it's time to move some of them and start from scratch, although I do like Chris Duarte, and I think he's a great player. You got Orlando and you got Detroit filling in the bottom, as expected. They're both garbage. I would expect Grant to get traded at some point, and Orlando, who knows what's going to happen with them. So, let us, uh, let us go there. Uh, so that's the East Western Conference, Western Conference. we got the best team, the best team, Golden State. Surprisingly, Golden State has gone from one of the fighting teams for a playoff spot to the number one seed once again. It is not Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but it is Klay Thompson, who's kind of actually been out for most of the season, and Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. And they got some young guys, which is James Weissman and Moses Moody and Kamunga. So um, Golden State seemingly is getting it done. I got to say, they look very good, if uh, you ask me. And they just played against Phoenix. That's the number two seed. Obviously, Chris Paul's great. Devin uh, Booker's there. They do have the biggest question mark of the Phoenix Suns. Devin uh, Booker's out right now. Uh, but the biggest question mark is DeAndre Ayton, whether or not he's going to get money. Whether or not he's going somewhere else, what will happen with DeAndre Ayton, that's the question. We don't know the answer, but they are the two seed. They are looking good. Utah Jazz are the three seed, and I was watching the Utah Jazz play the Boston Celtics recently, and Utah lights it up from three-point range. Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, they are a very good shooting team. They are very, very good. They are a three seed. They look legit, like legit, and... It's, it's something. Memphis Grizzlies are number four, and if you've been watching the news, you know Memphis got 72-point game victory most recently, which I think is the most uh, points uh, in terms of uh, a scoring difference in NBA history. Memphis looked insanely good, and they're the four seed, which is great to see. Then we have uh, Dallas and, and the Los Angeles Clippers, who are a half game back of Memphis. They're the five and six seed. And then there's the seventh seed, which is Los Angeles, who is a game behind Memphis in this uh, situation. Obviously, the Clippers uh, 
And the Lakers haven't looked as good. Uh, Dallas is looking pretty good on their own. You have, um, you know, obviously LeBron's been out for a little while with some COVID stuff. You have AD who's had his issues. Westbrook is in there, and maybe he's a star power, but doesn't seem like he's helping them get to that top seed. Um, they're an issue. Uh, there's a bunch of issues there, but um, yeah, they're the seventh seed. Then you have um, the eighth seed, which is the Portland Trailblazers, and the ninth seed, which is the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have a tied record, and the Denver Nuggets, who uh, also are um, tied with them. Eight and a half game difference uh, from the leaders between those. They all are eight and a half games back. Portland has their issues. Obviously, I mentioned uh, Neil Oshie is gone, and they have to find someone else to be the general manager. Minnesota's been up and down this season. Carl Anthony Towns has been great. Anthony Edwards is great as well. Denver has been surprisingly terrible, um, and uh, we'll see where they go from here, but they haven't looked as good this year so far, and they're kind of fighting for the playoffs. Then you have Sacramento and San Antonio and New Orleans and Houston and Oklahoma City. All of those teams are pretty bad. All of those teams have no shot at making the playoffs. Maybe Sacramento does, but San Antonio doesn't. Neither does the Pelicans, the Rockets, OKC. Rockets and OKC are rebuilding. New Orleans is a question mark. I don't know what they're doing. And San Antonio is a question mark. I don't know what they're doing. So that's where they're at. I don't know what their their uh, their plan is, but uh, we will see what happens with, uh, with them. I don't know exactly what the plan is, but... Um, I guess uh, when it comes, it'll come. But they're they're all um, not the greatest teams at all. And they will not be fighting for a playoff spot by any means. So that is, uh, that is something to, um, to talk about, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, that is uh, that one. So uh, let us, at this point, move on. Uh, to some other news uh, in uh, the NBA at this point, which is the Hornets have four players in their health protocol, and that is including uh, Ball. We have Terry Rozier, uh, center Mason Plumlee, and forward Jalen McDaniels, who will be sidelined for at least 10 days or until they have recorded two negative tests in a 24-hour period. So those guys are going to be out for... For a little while, um, who knows exactly where they are going to end up, but uh, I guess, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we will see uh, where they go from here. Um, and so, yeah, that is um, that is their situation. Um, and LeBron James has uh, had some words to say about uh, the NBA and their protocol. He's frustrated by the false positive COVID tests. Um he uh, has been isolated for a while, and um, yeah, it is. Uh, he's very confused. He's frustrated. He's angry. According to NBA.com, um, I knew I was going to get cleared. I never felt sick at all. I know you can be asymptomatic, but what if I had a positive COVID test? Then what are we doing? We are talking about. I thought this was handled very poorly. Um, the fact that I tested negative first, and then my second test came back. Positive, usually when you have a positive test, they will test you right away to make sure. There was not a follow-up test after my positive test. It was straight isolation and put into protocol. That's the part that kind of angered me. So 
I don't really know exactly what the plan with the NBA is. If he got one negative test, one positive, they should have probably tested him again just to make sure that, um, you know, obviously he was much better. But they didn't. So uh, that's the situation with LeBron. He is back now, but it was it's probably frustrating for him and a lot of NBA players because, you know, obviously they uh, have so many issues with the protocols and everything, and who knows what's going on in terms of, you know, the situation. And sometimes, you know, things go in one direction. Sometimes things go in a totally different direction. And, you know, you have positive and negative tests, and, you know, a lot of players get frustrated, as I'm sure... Uh, they they do, and so for um, at least for uh, for me, that's kind of their situation and where where they are at this point. So we'll see what happens with the NBA and the situation moving forward. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but um, you know if there's players who are out and they get positive and negative tests, it's it's very confusing.